Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Polly, and you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy so that we can do the work that matters and create the lives we want to live. And that's not always easy, is it? I mean, stuff comes up. Life gets in the way and hands us a whole slate of things that aren't super fun. But I really believe that the key to creating the experience is really based on how well we handle the hard stuff because we know it's going to come down. We're going to lose the job or the relationship. We're going to have ups and downs as we go along. And How we manage those ups and downs, even the scariest ones, goes a long ways to determining how well we continue on in our life. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. You know, you know, because you've listened for me over the years talk about I live with rheumatoid arthritis and and just came off hip replacements. I've had cancer. I've been through some of the scary stuff too. And I want to give you a hint. The way through it is not to Google. The way to succeed through the tough stuff is not to look at pictures online. That is the scary stuff. (laughs) But what is it that we do do? How do we deal with insurance and the medical system? What do we need from our friends and how as a friend can we help those who are going through the tough stuff? This is the important stuff and we're going to get into it today with medical writer and mom and author Jen Singer. Welcome to the show, Jen. Polly, it's so good to talk to you. Well, it's great to have you here, and and you've got a series of guides out that I think are just so important. You call them the Just Diagnosed Guides. Yeah, I call them the Just Diagnosed Guides because they're for anyone who is newly diagnosed with, you know, what I call the oh damn diagnoses, (laughs) and you've had a few yourself, Uh, because what happens is people go online They go to what we call Dr. Google, and then Dr. Google scares the crap out of them because that is unfiltered medical information. Some of it is incorrect. It's coming from other patients. Uh, Some of it is outdated. And so I uh, took a a unique combination of skills. One, as you said, I'm a medical writer. And two, I have survived cancer, COVID, and heart failure. So I uh, can describe a PET scan machine from the inside, and I can tell you what it's like to go through the night before having a PET scan emotionally. And that's why I put these books together. Dr. Google did scare the heck out of me. And I didn't know where else to turn because it is hard to filter. You know, as a, as a journalist and a writer, I knew that I could find Mayo Clinic. I knew that I could find some of these scientific institutions. But it's tricky to wade through it all when you're under so much stress and needing to make decisions very quickly. What What is one of the first things we need to do in that moment when we when we get the news? It depends, honestly, on where you are. Are you in a hospital when you get the news or are you home when you get the news? Because the the outcome of those are two different things. Now, if you're in the hospital and I have I was in the hospital when I got diagnosed with cancer and I was in the hospital when I got diagnosed with heart failure, you are focused on the task at hand 
Is there something that's about to happen? Uh, for me, it was getting a um, pacemaker pretty quickly because the electrical system of my heart shut down. And this was April 2020. Mm. Not not a time to be in the ER, especially <laughs> in New Jersey. Um, uh, my family, no one could come in. It was just me in in a in a pediatric ER room because that's all they had left. Uh, so. I was lucky because I had medical knowledge. So as I'm watching them watch my EKG, watching my heart shut down, I knew what was happening. If you are in a hospital or even if you're home and you get a diagnosis, get someone on your side immediately, uh, preferably some what I call a medical enforcer. That's someone who has mm. some sort of medical knowledge who can who can, uh, you know, a medical writer a family member who works in the hospital, a nurse. Um, even even though I was a medical writer, I still contacted one of my best buddies from college who's a nurse. So that's that's the first thing I would do is find someone else to hear what they're telling you. And uh, if, if you can't find someone who has medical experience, at least find someone who takes good notes. Yeah, I, I really felt like um, in, in all my situations, that was it. Like you hear certain things coming out of the doctor's mouth or whoever you're dealing with. And I was amazed later when my husband was saying, well, and then he said this and I had just blanked out on certain parts. And I think I'm pretty astute, you know, I thought I was like in pretty calm. I'm pretty positive. And yet I just missed whole whole words or sentences when when he was talking, particularly at the cancer situation. Yeah, it. it that's the stress, Polly. <laughs> it's yeah. the stress. It's it's you're, you're you're racking your brain to try and find some information to tell you how to be at this time. And it's really difficult. And I'm telling you, I've been through two near death experiences. And the second time was not as terrifying as the first time in that at least I knew the questions to ask. Mm. Um but I still took notes because I knew I would forget things. It was upsetting. My heart was shutting down. Yeah, that that is upsetting. It's <laughs> a <bit> upsetting. <laughs> Slightly problematic, but yeah. uh, well, I'm thrilled that you're here for a whole lot of reasons. But I mean that like really here. So Me too. <laughs> that's good. Um, but but that's interesting because we all manage that news differently and when you talk about a medical enforcer you're talking about an advocate then really somebody to help you ask the questions or or hear those scary details as they're coming through yeah and and again it it's a matter of taking notes and asking the right questions so in the just diagnose guide i include questions that you can ask you know you want to ask things about um what are your options in terms of treatment? I mean, that's that sounds obvious, but sometimes doctors will just assume that, okay, well, everybody who comes in here who has this particular cancer gets this type of treatment, but mm. you want to ask why you're getting that treatment, how many people they've used it for, especially if you're talking to a surgeon, mm. find out how many surgeries that they've done of that particular surgery um, and you want to find out what the outcomes is, what your prognosis is, and and just look at it as a fact-finding mission, knowing that you're going to hear some upsetting news. 
Then when you know you're, you're, I mean, not all of us know, but when you know something's wrong, do mm. you, in your just diagnosed guides, do you have like a, a checklist? Are there certain questions we should write down ahead of time when we're checking into the hospital so we're prepared for this? How do you think about that kind of stuff? You know, it's very much, it's very much uh, like journalism. It's the who, what, where, when, why, how. Mm. You want to ask the questions and tell them things that help them get to their diagnosis. And the more you talk in a circular fashion, um, the more you give what, you know, information that's not as important to what's happening then. Like if you say, well, it was Tuesday. No, it was Monday. And oh. I remember my ankle hurt. No, it was my toe. You need to get your information down as clear as possible, especially when you walk into an ER and they're trying to quickly figure out what to do with you. If you have uh, heart problems, if you feel like you're having a heart attack and I have this, the signs and symptoms of those, um, that's what you want to lead with. <laughs> because <laughs> You will get, I got the, believe me, I said it was my heart and uh, they, I got the, went right past all of the COVID patients <laughs> and into the ER. So, you know, know these things uh, and, and know what's important to them so that you can give them the information that they need. I know many people, myself included, who have put things off because I didn't want to sit in the ER all day and I yeah. just figured something would resolve. But you need to speak their language so you get their attention right away then. You know, it's it really does make a difference. Um, I'm not saying that you need to you know, study medicine. I'm saying that as you go through this diagnosis, you you quickly become an expert in your own, let's say it's cancer, your own type of cancer. Um, hopefully you have someone else doing the research for you. You are not going on Google and you're having someone else um, filter out the scary stuff, which includes survival rates, because Every patient needs to know that survival rates for anything includes the sickest and the oldest patients, mm -hmm. and that might not be you. So your survival rate is going to be different than what the internet says. That's something you want to get from your doctor and you want to ask it in a certain way so that they will answer it without hemming and hawing. One thing you write about that I think is essential is you say when you're calling your doctor or medical people to have a script, know the things you want to cover. So there's two different things here. One is I have a script for calling busy doctor's offices and the, the, you know, a lot of doctors like, uh, well, I'm not going to point them out, but one of my doctors <laughs> uh, who doesn't have anything to do with my heart. I, when you call there, you, you are made to feel like you are a nuisance. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot because they're very busy. They have a lot of calls coming in. So you need to get to your point very quickly. So I've written scripts like if I didn't get a test result back or if I if I was having a symptom from the, you know, side effect from a, a drug that they that they prescribed, I would say I am a patient of Dr. So-and-so. My name is Jennifer Singer. And then I give my birth date. Always give your birth date because that's how they look you up. They're not mm. listening to the rest of your sentence until you give them that. And I'm having a reaction to name of medication prescribed on the date to treat symptom or condition. I want to know if I can come off the medication and if there's an alternative she could prescribe. 
give them the action, the call to action at the end. Tell them what you're calling for. Don't just call and say, I'm having this reaction. Because a lot of times they'll try and talk you out of it. Oh, no, you're not having that reaction. Or I'll have that. I'll have the doctor call you back and it's not as important. So do a, a, a call call to action. Now, a script to talk to your doctor, that might be a different thing. I would at least when you go and you have an appointment with the doctor, I would at least have a list of questions and then check them off and write the answers down because you will forget. Yes. I My mind is going all sorts of different directions because I'm thinking about past experiences. Mm. And, and in the moment, uh, you want somebody who can solve these problems for you, but you still need to either have your medical enforcer in there or set it at a time when you've had a moment to process so that you can be your own advocate as well and get the information you need because you're the one that has to make these decisions. You're the one that has to pay for this and your life is at stake and so are the lives of all the people who love you. So, um, it's, it's interesting to me also, you also write about what we can do to help friends who are going through this. Now, I've done this all the wrong ways, and I've done some of the right ones, but I'm going to tell you what I've done wrong when it comes to helping friends who are dealing with diagnosis, and Jen is going to fill us in on what we can do better. When we come back, right here on Polly Campbell Simply Said, part of the best business network of Electrocast. And we're back. I'm Polly. You're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said. We're here with Jen Singer talking about how we can manage our diagnosis, how we can get information from our doctors and help each other as we're dealing with some scary stuff. Jen is the author of the Just Diagnose Guides. And Jen, where can we get those? I, I think everybody should go pick them up. You can go to justdxguides.com. And you'll see that there's three books and a fourth one almost available. Um, one is uh, how to how to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> one is how to support someone who's sick. That's coming soon. And then the other two are very specific guides to heart failure and sarcoidosis. You, you've been through it. You've had a lot of personal experience and then able to take all that experience and put it in words, which is which is your profession. You're a medical writer, so that makes sense. Is it hard for you to go back and rely on your personal experience to write about this stuff? Do you feel like you keep getting stuck in it or, or has that been okay? <laughs> so I was a medical writer for five years for some of the top hospitals in New York City and I left it because I didn't want to spend so much time in hospitals. Joke's on me. So uh, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at least you're back. I mean, you have the experience that can really make a difference for us. And during the break, we were talking about helping others through this. And one is with people who don't feel like they can question a doctor, we can be that medical enforcer. That's one way we can help we can do the research for them so we can filter it. They don't have to see all the scary stuff or the incorrect stuff. What are some other ways? One of the things I know you've talked about is 
stop the platitudes. I've been guilty of this. I've been like, it's going to be okay, or we'll get through this, or you're strong. And mm -hmm. and you say that's not the best way to do this, to help our friends. No, um, it, it others them. It puts the problem back on them. So for instance, you just suggested one, stay strong and be positive is one of the ones that drives me the most bonkers because it's homework for the patient. Mm. It's saying that uh, you have to have a stiff upper lip to get through this. And as long as your attitude is good, you're going to be fine. Now, that's especially troublesome in the cancer community where studies have shown it's patently false. Your attitude does not extend your life or make your chemo or radiation or surgery work. Your attitude is whatever you're feeling that day. Hmm. So uh, avoid the platitudes that everything happens for a reason. The, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle. Yes, he does. That's why there's a suicide hotline. Let's not assume uh, that the patient should behave in any particular way. However they behave is what's right for them. So what do you say instead? And I give people this one phrase that you can say that's to begin to learn how to do active listening, which is really all patients need. And that is, how is it for you today? Or how mm. is it for you right now? And then you just listen. You don't try and fix what they said. You don't try and edit it. You don't try and uh, like get them to look on the bright side. You just acknowledge how they feel. Because if you don't, that patient then starts to keep it all to herself. You know, I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to see my kids grow up when mm -hmm. I, had, I was 40 when I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the si a tumor the size of a softball in my left lung. And I, I just, all I wanted to do was see my kids grow up. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't say that to many people because I would get the be positive and stay strong. Mm -hmm. I did see them grow up. They are both out of college and on their <laughs> own. So all of that is a dream come true for me. I think that's interesting because there have been certain things and not just with medical issues that I don't always share openly because I don't want anyone to worry. And then I don't have a place to go with it. So when you say that around medical situations, of course, that makes sense. It feels like one more thing we have to do. And if we're not positive, then we're killing ourselves or costing ourselves something medically, which is a huge pressure for sure. You know, I even did this with my cat. My my beloved cat, Benny, just died of a, an aggressive blood cancer. He had a lot of fans. He was a media personality. But I deliberately did not announce that he had this cancer and that it was the end of his life because I knew that there were people who would say, are you going to get another cat? Mm. Oh, he's still alive. And I would say, are you going to get another grandmother? I mean, why, that's just a <laughs> rude thing to say. Well, yeah. you know, even now, don't say that to me. Yeah. And then they would inject their own, are you going to do chemo? Or are you not going to do like, their advice? And then there's always the people who are going to send you some, you know, secret thing that doctors don't know about that kills cancer. I, and I just wasn't in the mood. Yeah. So I didn't share it. Yeah, that's funny. With the with the arthritis, I've gotten so many copper bracelets and yeah. rum and raisin tonics. Yeah. And and I've got to tell you that part of me, um, you know, I appreciate their intention. They 
they want to help, right? People aren't trying, well, some people are just jerky, but, but I have always felt like people are looking for a way to support me. Is there something I should say to them? Can I correct them? Can I tell them what I need? Or is it yeah. best to ride it out? Yes, no, I think you should push back. Uh, I, I just don't think that well-meaning is good enough. I think that we could all learn. So if someone says to you, I'm going to send you a copper bracelet, that's going to say, you know, thank you. I appreciate that you're trying to help and it must be hard to stand by and watch me suffer. But I would much rather you and then fill in what that, you know, take me for ice cream, whatever it is. You yeah. Know? yeah. Just listen to me. I, I that. I refuse to accept the idea of well-meaningness when I think that we as a society could do better. You know, I, I've i seen you do that really well on Facebook over the years and and really allow people to feel what they're feeling, but say that this is what I need. And if, if you can't do that, that's OK, but I can't be a part of this discussion anymore or or whatever. And I, I think um, that had to be empowering in a time when when you probably well and i don't know if you felt disempowered when when you're that ill with the cancer or the covid before we were able to call it covid right right, right. You, you were sick with covid when it was apparently the flu because we weren't going to have covid mm -hmm. um was it empowering to be able to put your stake in the ground around certain things with your doctor with the feedback you were getting from others were there ways you could help yourself through those moments to feel better in a weird way um, the COVID slash heart failure, heart shutting down like a, you know, stadium lights in the, at the end of the game, um, was a do over for me in this area that I could do over all the things that hurt me when I had cancer, I could fix this time. And at the same time, teach people. That's all I want to do is teach people how to do this. I've learned active listening for the last 10 years. That's all this is, is holding space for people, validating what they say, and then saying things like, no wonder you feel that way. That's it. Yeah. It would change the world if we could all do that better right now in every area of our, of our world. Listen to each other, acknowledge and hold the space and don't take over and don't tell people how to do things. And right now I'm very aware that I'm telling people how to do those. So um, <laughs> just, just, just be in the moment and let's acknowledge each other and love each other that way. Even when it feels scary, we can be scared together. That, that's okay. You know, I think that's what it comes down to is people are frightened and we have as a society have decided somehow that when someone's sick that we need to get them to look on the bright side and that's not the answer. The answer is to just be with them. But we especially Americans are doers. We're not beers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really hard for us to just be. Yeah, we really want to fix things and and I think it's an interesting practice in every area of our life. I'm raising a teenage daughter right now. So I am learning to do this a lot because there are things she just needs to vent about and she just needs somebody to hold space. And I'm seeing, well, she's on her way to prison if she keeps thinking like this, you know, and obviously she's not, she's a good kid, but being a mom, being a friend, being a person who's been ill at various times throughout mm -hmm. their lives, we need to hold space. And I think that must take off an awful lot of stress from the people who are going through that. Is is that your experience, Jen, when, when you have a friend like that? Yeah, you know, 
you mentioned the kids. I, I gave I gave my kids an out with all of this in that by teaching them how to be with it and and I thought that cancer ruined their childhood and actually it made them better adults mm. because now they have these skills on how to be with me and they had to go through it again but they came <laughs> through it <laughs> yeah all right well now you're teaching the rest of us i think uh we have benefited from your difficult experiences this these are intelligent thoughtful pieces that we need to read and share with each other because then we don't have to worry about the tough stuff we can work through it together and support each other the just diagnosed guides by jen singer jen tell us again where we can find the guides and all of your work it's just dxguides.com well thank you for being here friend it's good to talk to you i think um i think i'm going to be a better listener after this and i think i'm going to be a better friend to the people i care about so thank you for the work you're doing and remember listeners when we go out in the world we can be brave too in our when we're dealing with our own challenges or when the people we love are facing difficult moments we can stand there acknowledge that this might even change day to day and that's okay be in that space with them listen be an active listener and when we do that we will all live well do good and be happy are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all times? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electric acid.